0: So you can follow along in your Bible or just read them in the, they're on the back page. But what we are doing this summer is looking at God's wisdom, how to live well in God's world in the midst of the chaos that we find ourselves in. And so this summer, the specific problems we're going to look at are, are aimed at living well with one another in community. And so today we're going to talk about Friendship. Uh, what does God's wisdom teach us about a true friend? And so let's read it, and then we'll pray, and we'll look at this. This is God's Word. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind, or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And this is God's word. It's true and trustworthy and given in love. Let's pray. Father, in heaven, we come once again asking you to be faithful to your promise uh, to give us and fill us with your spirit of wisdom and understanding uh, to show us Jesus, our wise friend, and our brother who is, is uh, in his kindness determined to walk alongside of us, who was born to carry us through our troubles. And so I pray this, this time you would make us wise friends uh, who love like Jesus loves. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'll start with this question, how many friends do you have? (laughs) You don't have to shout it out, we're not going to be too awkward here. But real friends, not just acquaintances. I I know if if you have social media, you can probably count them. I have 634 on Facebook, in case you're wondering. But it's a joint account, so... I guess I'm being generous, 50% 50 are mine, (laughs) right? As we get ready to talk about friendship, um, we just have to, we're coming into an age of friendship where that is defined by social media. I mean, just to put it in perspective, my children will never know a world in which Facebook did not exist, unless it goes out of business someday. Social media, online connectedness, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, all these things where you can have constant conversation with a friend at a click of a button. And many of you know, who were, who actually had friends before the internet <laughs> uh, took over, but even when you get that, that notification, right, You're, it pops up on your phone, you've got a text message, it feels, in a moment, like a real connection. And yet, we also live in what's being called an age of loneliness that as our connectedness grows through the internet and through our phones uh, we are becoming increasingly lonely to the point where in the United Kingdom they've actually appointed a government position called the Minister of Loneliness that was just this year because the numbers of people who are dying too young uh, who are depressed because they don't have social connections is just too great Here in our country, the the former U.S. Surgeon General just this last year called loneliness an epidemic, and loneliness is just friendlessness. And he he argues that to be friendless is actually more unhealthy than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It'll shorten your lifespan. Starting to see God's wisdom, that we were created for friendship that in God's world and especially in the chaos of this world you cannot live well without wise without friends in general but wise friends in particular and that's that's what we're going to talk about this morning and it's it's a priority i mean that is the first thing that the the wise father in chapter 1 of proverbs teaches he warns his son choose your friends carefully because just because they're friends doesn't mean they'll be helpful friends right the mafia it's a community of friends. <laughs> Probably not the best friends for your well-being. And so Proverbs, it's interesting. We're, we're called by the moral law to love your neighbor as yourself. And Proverbs says, let's talk about how to do that in the context of friendship. All right. So God so loved the world that he gives us other people to be friends. And so this morning, let's ask that question. What is a wise friend, according to Proverbs, like? And I've got several points here. I'll start with the beauty of friendship uh, the, that calls to us. It's the beauty of friendship. And we see it in these, in these Proverbs that a friend loves at all times. Um, a friend sticks closer than a brother. Family, you're, you can be close, but it's possible to have even more intimate connections with somebody outside of your family. Uh, you get down to 27.9. It talks about oil and perfume making the heart glad and oil and perfume were a sign of wealth and comfort and success and so there's a sense where the psalmist is saying or the, the the wise teacher is saying true friendship is better than money it's better than comfort it's better than success you have the the case of of david and jonathan if you remember the the, the famous friendship between them where David said about his friend Jonathan, who was the son of his enemy, your love to me was better than the love of women. And it says that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Which is another way of saying a true friend is better than erotic love. Romance. It's better than physical intimacy, it's better than being biblical friendship, it's better than being rich It's beautiful This is what our hearts crave It's what we long for Somebody who loves at all times Who's willing to go through the depths of hell itself by our side Simply out of love for us Uh, We want that kind of friend I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson says in his essay on friendship He says He puts it this way, it's poetic, he says, when we indulge our love for one another in friendship, the earth is metamorphosized, it's changed. It's no longer winter, there's no longer night. All your tragedies and your boredoms vanish. Nothing fills eternity like the radiant, beloved people in your life. And if you knew that you could spend anywhere in the universe with a good friend, you could be content for a thousand years. It's hinting at this, right? Friendship is beautiful. It's something we, Proverbs is just pulling that out, that we have this deep longing to be loved like this. That we have a deep ache and desire to have somebody glue themselves to us, to hold fast to us, and they'll never leave us. Or in the words of Mr. Rogers, still makes grown men cry. I I like you just the way you are. Friendship. Someone who's not afraid to tell you when you're being a stubborn uh, so-and-so. And they still move towards you. Someone who doesn't bail on you when life gets hard. Right? We need friends like this. We long for friends like this. And yet in our increasingly social you know, online age, right, we're losing the art of finding and making friends. It's elusive. Um, I mean, I can think culturally. Culturally, we just don't live in one place for 40 years, 50 years, that, as often as we used to, so it's harder to make friends. Uh, friends we love move away or pass away, and yet we long for it. Uh, earlier this year, I, I reread Lord of the Rings, and I, sorry, this, this is just going to be a bunch of Lord of the Rings illustrations. I'm trying to get you to read it. <laughs> But if you've never read it or watched the movies, it's a story about deep friendship on a shared quest together about two friends who love each other as much as they love themselves and willing to suffer and die for the other. Now they go into the fires of Mordor together to destroy this one ring of power to fight evil. And at the end, it's heartbreaking because you see how powerful friends are even, even when they leave us. And so this is at the end as Sam is saying goodbye to his friend Frodo. when It says to Sam as, as Frodo got on a boat and sailed away, it says, Sam, the evening deepened to darkness as he stood, stood at the haven. And as he looked at the gray sea, he saw only a shadow on the waters that was soon lost in his west. And there Sam stood far into the night, hearing only the sigh and murmur of the waves on the shores of the earth. And the sound of those waves sunk deep into his heart. And he turned away weeping. And what it's saying is is friends, uh, true friends, people that have loved you, even after they're gone, they're still in there. And we miss them. And so, to start, we want that kind of friendship. Friendship is beautiful. It's something we need. It's something we crave. To live together on a shared quest, uh, something deeper than just having fun. Now, there's purpose behind it. Eating and drinking together, suffering together, carrying the other person, putting them on your shoulders when they can't go on, praising the other. You know, all these things are something we long to. And the question is, why do we want it so bad? And the clue is in our text, it's because that's how God made us. You look at Proverbs 18.24, it says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You may A man of many companions may come to ruin, but you, there is a friend who sticks closer, that's glued to you. And that word, to stick closer, to be glued to you, is a creation word. To cleave to somebody. So you go back to Genesis 2, 24, it's, it's just the description of marriage, that a man shall leave his father and mother and, and hold fast, should cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so you ha- the, what the father is doing, teaching his son about friendship he's looking at how God made male and female to relate and then he takes that word to be bound together to glue to yourself for better or worse, till death do us part and says we need friends like that because marriage at its best is just a deep friendship that lasts a lifetime so we long for this because that's how God made you you were not made to live alone. Even introverts, (laughs) you were not made to live alone. This is God's wisdom. He designed the relationships to be beautiful, to love your neighbor as yourself, to knit your soul to somebody else. This is neighbor love, and the best kind of neighbor love is friend love. And he designed it that way because that's who God is. He, as the Trinity, is a community of friends. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always been a community of friends, and he created human beings to share in that kind of relational joy. Jesus has never been bored with his Father. And the Father's never been tired of his Son. And the Spirit's in the middle joining them together, rejoicing in each other. That's how things should be among us, (laughs) right? And so you you put it that way, that a friend is supposed to cleave to you, and using the marriage language is what we need to get through life, to live well in God's world. You need somebody who's that passionately affectionate about you, towards you, and you towards someone else, right? So I know that's easy to say, and it's hard to do. Because in our modern age, this kind of friendship is something we long for. But as C.S. Lewis would put it in his, his teaching on friendship, friendship's just not a main course in our life's banquet. Right? It's, it's not the main beauty that we pursue. It's, it's just not as important to us. So we don't have time. Right, so we long for it. it, we see the beauty, but we're too busy for it. Right? Even teenagers who show us so well uh, the delight of friends, they just want to spend time with one another. Even if they don't look at each other, they're just texting. Right? They still just want to be near each other. But because we have to maintain our lifestyle, we have to work, um, and we work too much, we lose the ability to make friends and keep friends. As one best-selling author put it, he says, it seems like as soon as people make money, they seem to purchase loneliness. He said, my book sold a ton of copies, so I left the city, I left my neighbors, and went out into the country to buy a big house with a big garage, with a big acre yard, and I bought myself loneliness. It's just difficult. We're called to pursue friendship, but to cultivate it is a challenge. Because, again, Lewis says friendship is the least instinctive. You can actually, you can live, not well, but you can live without friends. Right? He says friendship is the least instinctive. It's the least necessary. It doesn't quicken your pulse the way a touch from a crush would. It doesn't, you don't blush thinking about your friend. It just doesn't get your attention immediately the way a crush does. It doesn't capture our imagination necessarily the way romantic love does. It's just lower on our list of priorities. It, it's like art. You can survive without it. I mean, you'll be poorer without friends, but you can survive without it. But what Proverbs is pointing at and calling us to is that you need this kind of friend, a wise friend who, who will stick to you. Okay. So, that's point one. One. Friendship is beautiful and we're called to pursue it, to pursue and prioritize the hunt for wise friend. And what does a wise friend look like? And that's what some of these Proverbs, so this is not everything Proverbs has to say about friendship, we just had to pick something. Right? The, the collection of Proverbs we just read gives us at least three characteristics of a wise friend. So all of which are important. And the first one we've hinted at, it's loyalty. We need friends who will be loyal, fiercely loyal. Someone who loves at all times, who's there in adversity, who sticks next to you. I mean, that's really how you find out who your friends are, right? Uh, when you suffer, your friends move toward you rather than away from you. Right? Your companions, your, the fair-weather friends, so to speak, they get quiet. They disappear or they stop listening. All they come with is advice to fix it. But a friend, a friend is fiercely loyal. A friend, as we're seeing, it's a covenant-binding, permanent relationship who says, I will stay near you, I'll be with you, even when your relationship no longer benefits me. It's not about what I'm getting out of you. It's, it's about you. All right? It's fiercely loyal. It's pursuing. and This is, again, Lord of the Rings. This is my second one. (laughs) Sorry, but not sorry. Mary, they're getting ready on this quest, and Frodo's trying to, to sneak out without him. And this is Mary's description of friendship. He says, Frodo, you can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. You can trust us to keep any secret of yours better and closer than you can keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone, to go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo, and there it is. We're horribly afraid, but we're going with you, or we're going to follow you like hounds. (laughs) That's a covenant relationship. That's a loyal relationship. It's a friendship. And in our world, most of our relationships aren't like that. They're transactional. The, The whole idea of what have you done for me lately? Right, I mean, most of our relationships, I would say, are companion like. People are just around. It's not a bad thing. You can't be friends with everybody. But we have people who live around us, co workers, uh, fellow church members. But this kind of love, it's rare. Because they love at all times. It's, it's, Proverbs would go on to say, love covers a multitude of sins. It's loyal even when it hurts. That's biblical friendship. A friend who sticks by your side, it's it's, it's like a beautiful daily sunrise. This is what Emerson says, it's an unexhausted kindness. It's beautiful. So a wise friend is loyal. Uh, Second, a wise friend is honest. They're honest with you. Right. Just because they're sticking around, it doesn't mean that they're not going to tell you what you're actually like. <laughs> right. Look at 27.5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. See, a true friend is not afraid to tell it how it is, to speak the truth, but they do so in love. Because ultimately, someone who never tells you you are wrong, who never corrects you, who never chases you down when you are uh, being a stubborn butthead, uh, or whatever you are doing that you shouldn't be doing, right? It's not an act of love to always be a yes person. It's just flattery. Somebody who never confronts you and stops you from hurting yourself is flattery. And Proverbs 26:28 says a lying tongue hates its victims. And what is a lying tongue? Well, it's a flattering mouth. So to never tell someone they're wrong, that they've sinned against you, that they've hurt you, that they're hurting someone else, that's a form of hatred. Right. A wise friend is honest, speaks the truth in love. Real love makes itself known when all of a sudden your friend turns to you and say, I love you, but you're being a fool. And you get to 27.9, all right, oil and perfume. It says the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It's this idea of loving wounds is actually sweet. And they say this about honey, about sweetness in an age where they didn't drown themselves in high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) It was a delight. It was a special experience. It was a surprise. I mean, honey, in a world full of bland flavor, tastes amazing. And so to find a friend who's willing to wound you in love for your good, it's sweet. A wise friend is like a spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. <laughs> and they're not afraid to make you drink that cod liver oil that my dad complained about when he was a kid. <laughs> we need these kind of friends. A friend is honest. They won't let you stay addicted. They'll speak up when you're cruel. They'll call you out. We need that kind of friend. And, of course, the flip side, right, is you don't want to be that friend who's always honest, brutally honest. That's, that's the nagging quarrelsome wife, the dripping faucet, who just will not stop, right? Even though it's talking about a wife, it's talking about people in general, human relationships. It's hard to be friends with somebody who's constantly telling you the truth without, without the love, which means we need wise friends, we need loyal friends, we need honest friends, and we need those who are, who are able to cover your sins but to also know when to, um, to speak up, right? Some are able to just bear with it, and they have the wisdom to know when to speak up to when it's actually an offense, right? And when you find that kind of friend, well, it's safe. And you know what it's like, right? So just imagine you're, you've spent all day by yourself, you've just had a miserable day, you're grumpy, you're mad at the world, you're mad at Everybody, you're blaming anyone you can think of. You, you know, you're just grumbling. And then someone else comes in the room and they say, hey, how you doing? I mean, instantly, this is what we do, right? We put the mask on. We say, oh, it's great. Because we're afraid to be that honest. We don't know if we can trust them. We don't know if that friend is safe. And But when you find an honest friend, a safe friend, a loyal friend, you can leave that mask off. You say, yeah, life stinks right now. Will you sit with me? Will you listen to me? Will you be honest with me? Am I just overreacting? Right, that's, a, that's a biblical friend. Right. Do you have that kind of person in your life? Are you that kind of person? That's the flip side of this whole conversation. Right. We need loyal friends, we need honest friends. We also need friends who are not like us. We need friends who are different. And that's what 20, 27, 9 is getting at. If you need heartfelt, wise counsel, somebody who's going to tell you you are wrong, just the whole idea of iron sharpening iron, another person telling you, sharpening you, shaping you, changing the way you see, they need to be like you, but they also they need to like you, but also be different than you. It's. Interestingly, one of the words for fool is just somebody who's not willing to learn how to look at the world any differently than they already do. And it gets you in trouble. All right. So, child psychologist, a guy named Jerome Kagan, discovered that children generally are born with three kinds of temperaments when you have problems. Right. Some of us just get anxious and hide in a corner. Uh, some of us, right? we just... We just go at it. We attack it. We pull out the sword. We get aggressive. We assert ourselves. We're going to fix this, whether it kills us or not. And then others of us, um, right? we're the diplomats. <laughs> we're the ones who are, don't like conflict, but we're not going to hide, so we're going to use our words to just try and be kind to get ourselves through it. Uh, call it diplomatic optimism. But for you to be a wise friend and to have wise friends you need you need all three because one strategy will not work in every situation sometimes you gotta stop hiding and talk sometimes you just have to be bold and pull out the sword and go confront somebody and go talk about it sometimes you just have to to stop talking and listen sometimes we really do need kind words a soft answer to turn away wrath and we need to know the wisdom, when do you, to use which. And so really what this is saying, sweet counsel comes from people who are different than us, who see the world differently than us. And if you get it wrong, well, 2517 says it's, it's going to feel like someone's just ripped off your clothes in the middle of a blizzard, taking off your garment in a cold day. Because if you always have a positive outlook on life, you're not going to be a good counselor to someone who's sad. Right. So we need wise friends who are different. D- Democrats, you need Republicans. Republicans, you need Democrats. Yeah. We Presbyterians need our charismatic friends, and vice versa. Yeah. Introverts, you need extroverts, and vice versa. <laughs> I'm, I'm just swap all these, right? The the young need the wisdom of the old, and the old need the energy and the vision of the young spouses need one another single single people and married people need friendships with one another Throw another Lord of the Rings elves need to be friends with dwarves people who see the world differently (laughs) because iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another Or Scott Saul says, real friendship begins when you move towards people that you're most tempted to avoid. Now, wise friends are loyal, honest, and different. How do you find them? How do you find friends like this? And if you're listening, we need friends who aren't going to bail out on us, uh, who aren't going to choose their comfort at our expense. We need honest friends. But the only way really to find wise friends is to be one. You have to be a wise friend. That's what Proverbs is for initially, to teach you wisdom. I mean, otherwise it's really awkward, right? I mean, how do you advertise that you're on the hunt for good friends? I mean, you can put an ad on Craigslist, (laughs) right? I'm looking for a friend who will not ruin my life. You might meet people, they might not be the best friends. To find a wise friend, you need to be a wise friend. Someone who's loyal, who's honest, who's willing to be different. To be the friend who loves at all times. Uh, To have sweet counsel. And to do that, to be a wise friend, that means you have to start making room in your life for these kinds of relationships towards people who are different than you, A friend loves at all times. It means you have to be available. You have to have cushion in your life to spend time with your neighbors, with your friends. It requires face time. You don't know if you're going to be a friend with somebody until you've actually spent an immense amount of time with them. Because you don't know if they're going to stick around until one or both of you are suffering. And there's wisdom involved. If you spend too much time, they're going to get sick of you. That's the other Proverbs here. Right? Let your foot seldom be in your neighbor's house or it'll hate you. will get sick of you. But it's a challenge. You have to be, to be a wise friend, to become a wise friend. You have to make yourself available. And the way we do that as a church, that's what small groups are for. Uh, that's what Sunday morning is for, why we greet one another. Uh, that's what Sunday school is for. Um, all designed so that you would turn to somebody and say, You too, I want to I wanna walk alongside you. I want let's, let's do something outside of church. That's how these things grow. Right. See, the beauty of church, if it's done well, if it's a biblical church, it's going to be filled with all kinds of people who are different. Um, different races, different, um, different levels of wealth, different viewpoints, different po- political persuasions, all gathered around Jesus. Right. So we're called to be a community of wise friends pursuing one another so the way to find wise friends is to be a wise friend and the last point this is what I want to end with ultimately to, to find a wise friend and to be a wise friend it's a gift it's a gift of grace right? friendship is given to us by God right? because there's no other way To cultivate solid friendships, you have to be the wise friend, but what does a wise friend look like biblically? We don't really know. Proverbs 26, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. There we go. It says Many people proclaim their own steadfast love, but who has ever found a faithful man, a faithful person? Meaning we all already think we're great. (laughs) I think I'm a wise friend but how do you know? Right. Because we all have had the experience of bad friends, people who've betrayed us, people who've hurt us, and that's what makes the Christian gospel good news because Jesus not only, well, Jesus shows us what a good friend is like. I mean, think about it. The perfect man, God himself, came from heaven to earth, and he needed friends. He lived for three years with, with the apostles. He, the apostle John is the one whom Jesus loved. It's a beautiful picture. Um, the reason Jesus wept at Lazarus' funeral is because he loved him. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. He spent more time with Peter, James, and John than with the other disciples, meaning he actually cultivated, he made himself available to be a wise friend for them. And the most surprising friendship of all I think that Jesus had while he was on earth was actually his friendship with Judas. Judas, the the infamous bad friend, known for his notorious kiss. Jesus pursued a friendship with Judas from the beginning. He called him. He said, I want you to follow me. He hand-chose Judas to be an apostle, to spend time with him. He trusted Judas with the money. He made him the treasurer. They eat meals together, they worked together, he was a coworker. They spent three years camping, right? They wandered. And the most beautiful, shocking part is that Jesus called Judas his friend, even as Judas was getting ready to betray him at the Last Supper. John 13. On the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus tells his friends, One of you are gonna betray me. Well, the scripture will be fulfilled that the one who eats my bread has lifted his heel up against me, which is a quote from Psalm 41, 9. And you you go and look it up, and it says that the one who ate the bread is a close friend, a close friend, the one in whom Jesus trusted. And so Jesus says out loud, The one whom I give this bread to will betray me, and he hands it to Judas, essentially saying, Judas, I am your friend. I will forgive this too. I'm willing. And of course, we know Judas goes off and exchanges Jesus' life for 30 pieces of silver. He returns in the Garden of Gethsemane of the Roman soldiers, betrays Jesus with a kiss, and Jesus says to him, friend, friend, do to him what you're gonna, do to me what you're gonna do still holding out, this too can be forgiven. Because love covers a multitude of sins. A friend loves at all times. A friend sticks closer than a brother. Even for those who betray us. That's Jesus. See friends, this is the gospel and this is what I'm going to end with. Jesus loves us bad friends who are afraid to admit it, who can't see it. But in the ultimate act of open honesty for sinners, people who don't want to change, right? Jesus goes to the cross. That while we were yet enemies, he declares, by grace and grace alone, you are my friends. And the cross really is God's picture of friendship, his invitation to be his friend, to learn from him. I mean, first, it's, it's open rebuke, this is, this is humbling. It's not hidden love. He's not being silent here. He's dying, bearing the punishment that we deserve, going through hell for us. I mean, it's a declaration that we are the traitor. We're so bad that we killed the best friend we could ever have, God's own beloved son, who pursues traitors. And yet, these are the wounds of a friend because he's inviting you. Saying, look, I suffered for you. I'm holding fast to you when you didn't want to hold fast to me. And then he says, I will walk through life with you. I will never leave nor forsake you until the end of the age. You're stuck with me by grace. See, friendship is a gift. And to be a wise friend, you have to be befriended by Jesus because there's no other way to get that kind of desire or power to be faithful when you are betrayed. to to suffer with somebody when it doesn't benefit you unless you have had Jesus do that for you. And this is God's wisdom. (laughs) That wise friends bind themselves to fools as you make one another wise. And that's what the church is for. A community of friends following Jesus together. So, uh, friends, (laughs) do you know Jesus is your wise friend? Who loves you like this? Who's teaching you how to be a friend who is loyal, honest, and okay with being different? Willing to pursue people who are different? Well, right. put it this way. Go and learn what John Newton wrote in his beautiful hymn here. He asks, could we bear from one another what Jesus daily bears from us? Yet this glorious friend and brother loves us even though we treat him thus. Though for good we render problems, we render ill. Jesus accounts us, his brothers, still. See, that's grace. This is the friend we have, a friend for sinners. Go and learn from him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, uh, we thank you for this gift of kindness that we do not deserve, that you would love us when we were at our worst, that you would befriend us. And so I pray for our church um, well, I pray there are those who don't know Jesus as the good friend you would um, just overwhelm them with his kindness and lead them to repentance and for, for those of us who do know you as our friend, as a gift make us loyal, make us wise, make us honest give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding to know how to be a good friend in Jesus name, amen